Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Hello, everyone. Today, I will be chatting with Sarah Adams. Sarah is a married mother of two who lives in Vancouver, Canada. She started her TikTok during the summer of 2021 to discuss the state of sharing, child exploitation, and minor safety on social media. She has grown a large and supportive community of like-minded adults who feel that the way parents are sharing their children online is concerning and that the platforms, governments, and brands need to step up to protect a whole generation of children from growing up in the public eye without their knowledge or informed consent. Her goal has always been to pose questions, offer a different perspective, and provide information as it relates to these topics, encouraging parents to reflect on their own sharing choices and accounts they are consuming that are using kids as content. Let's dive in to today's episode. Just a little disclaimer before we start this episode, this podcast does not provide medical advice. The information on this podcast is for informational purposes only. No material on this site is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All right, Sarah Adams, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. This is very exciting for me. We are talking about sharing, child exploitation, minor safety on social media, all the things that might make people feel a little uncomfortable today. <laughs> yes. yes. I have been known for making people feel reflect and feel a little uncomfortable in the way they share online. Yeah, and I I really lean into that and I love that. So that's gonna be good. Awesome. I do want to start this off by saying as somebody who started off with a blog back in 2008 and it started off as just sharing recipes and fashion and whatever. It was really just a journal of like whatever I wanted to share to get me out of I needed to use that other side of my brain because work was really difficult and it was very stressful and that's how I did it. And it morphed into sharing about motherhood once I had children. And again, didn't think anything of it. At this point, it was a blog and there was no social media aspect to it. And I don't know when I downloaded Instagram, whenever that was. At that time, I would say I was definitely creating content surrounding my kids because again, I was like, well, this is my life. This is my entire life. Like, What else would I share? I feel like the only definition of myself right now is a mother, right? And well, that's part of the problem. So that's what I was sharing. And again, didn't really think anything of it. And also, I I want to add, I don't think that it's as exploitative. It wasn't as exploitative then that it is now, like back in 2015. Yes, I would completely agree. I feel like 2015, 2016 was just kind of like planting the seeds of where it was going to be, where we are, right? So yes, I, like, I don't think the industry was exploitating kids back then. It was more like, oh, we love this brand and here's a kid's brand that you can feature. Like it was very natural and organic in a way that is not even present at all today, I guess. It's kind of how I'm trying to say it. But anyways, for years that's what I did. I shared whatever I wanted to including sharing things about my children. 
And then I don't know what happened, Sarah. I don't know. But sometime, uh, I want to say it was probably 2019 where I was like, this is really weird. Like, and my kids started to get a little bit older, right? And I, my main concern was, I don't want my kids to like see me using my phone so much and like creating content about them. I think that's weird. And I don't know. So I just started to like think about all this a little bit more and started to share less and less and less to the point where once COVID started, it was essentially nothing. And I removed, it took me days and weeks to remove literally anything and everything I could find. I deleted all of my photos. And this was before I deleted Instagram completely, but I delete hand deleted all of the photos on my Instagram with my kids. And they don't make it easy. They don't make that easy process. Possible. Okay. Like impossible, but I made it like my life's work. Like I was like, no, I am, I am doing this. So I just, every day I would do 20 pictures and I would delete them. And it was just this like painstaking thing. And I just started to think like, I would never want my children to grow up and then be like finding a picture of them. Like it's one thing to have a picture of you guys on a family vacation, right? Okay. Wonderful. Cool. But like, it's another thing to have them in an ad, right? And then it's another thing to be using them for entertainment purposes and and posting things like, here's how they potty train. It's like, holy shit, would you ever, okay, like as an adult, want content on the internet of you learning how to shit on a toilet? Like, But really, Sarah, right? So I say it all the time, Lindsay, because like, Potty training is a very well-discussed topic and parents use their kids in that regard and they don't think like, well, would you like a photo of yourself shitting on the toilet to be not only taken without your knowledge, but then uploaded to public social media without your consent? The answer 100% for every adult would be no, right? Yet, Parents are doing it to their kids each and every day and making like it a whole week long section on their Instagram stories and things like that. It's weird. It's wild. It's unbelievable to me. It is. So by sharing all this, I wanted to say that you and I are obviously going to be, we're talking about something that's really passionate. We're really passionate about. So I know that it's going to come across as like, Shame on everyone. And I don't want it to be that way. I just want to state that I was someone who was doing this, right? And everything that we're talking about, I was someone who was doing this. So I came to the realization and fixed it and took actionable items. And I'm not someone sitting here saying I am better or Sarah is better than anyone that's doing these things. That is not the point. The point is we need to recognize what is going on. We need to recognize who has our data and like what the hell they're doing with it and what the long-term consequences of this might be and like what to do about it. So yeah, we're going to be probably bitching back and forth about like all these different things, but it's coming from a place of I've been there. I was someone doing this and, and this is why I'm so passionate about it now because I can see all the things that are wrong about it and that we can fix by drawing attention to it and by talking about it. Nothing gets fixed unless people are aware of it and recognizing it and then taking actionable steps. 
Right. 100%. And I think it's also important for listeners to know in transparency that I used to follow you, (laughs) right? (laughs) That I used to be one of your followers that was watching you in 2017, 2018, be pregnant and have babies and, you know, what products to buy and what things you need and don't need and things like that. You know, I'm very open in the fact that I used to follow these individuals as well. It didn't feel weird to me. It felt like, you know, a supportive community. And even though I wasn't sharing myself that I could go to individuals like yourself and learn something and feel connected. And it wasn't until a little later around 2020, where I felt I had my second child and the pandemic hit and things got weird online. And it all started to make me feel very uncomfortable. So I think it's important for listeners to know that you used to be one of these individuals. And I used to be a person who followed these individuals, right? Because we're all growing, we're all learning. And the biggest thing is, it's never too late to change, right? It's never too late to take a stand and change the way you share, change the content you are consuming online. And that's what this is all about, right? Absolutely. And you mentioned community, and I think this is a big part of it. So the issue is, (laughs) I feel, and I'm going to go on a little rant, I feel like some of the issue with all of this is that as mothers, we are underestimated. We are not given nearly enough resources, especially in America. We're just not built to thrive. We don't have people that help us. We're really on our own. It's an individualistic society. And so where does that leave us? That leaves us with the internet that allows us to connect with other moms to feel more powerful, empowered within our life, with empowered to be able to do the things we want to do. And oh, here's a trick for doing that. Oh, that'll you know save me some time in the morning. Oh, here's a mom who has kids the same age as me. Oh, this is how she does this. Oh, I'm going to incorporate that into my life. We are so deprived of physical, mental health resources as mothers that the way that we kind of deal with it is finding this community online and then oversharing all of these different things within our own life because we are so in need of connection and in need of support that's not given to us elsewhere. I feel like that's part of the problem. Yeah. We don't have the village that they told us we would. We don't have- And it's online. Exactly. And and we share about our kids because we're like, well, this this is the connector between you and I is our kids. So I do think that that's part of it because that's at least why I started sharing my kids at all. I was like, oh, shit, this parenting thing is freaking tough. And then I'd be like, oh, well, I just got this and this is great. Like I this this is been, you know, really great for our sleeping at night or whatever it is. And then you get other moms that are like, yes. And then if you do this, it's even better, you know, whatever. And it's great. And it's this positive feedback cycle. And it's great. Until it's not because yep. <laughs> your children have no right to privacy. You're getting that dopamine hit of, <laughs> you know, likes and views. And you do feel like you're doing good, I think, right? I can't mm-hmm. speak for you, but I think it feels good to feel like you are helping oh, other absolutely. Yeah, mothers in balancing the motherhood act. And, you know, I followed a lot of these individuals because I was a new mom. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. You know, I lived across the country from the majority of my friends and my family. I don't know what to buy. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to, you know, breastfeed. Like I get why people fall into 
following these individuals online. However, I have learned that there are a variety of individuals who are doing this and offering great information without turning their children into the content. They are providing parenting and motherhood content without having their children of the face, their children's face carry their account. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I, I want you, Sarah, to talk about, I want you to talk about the turning point for you, like in the pandemic when you were like, you know what, I'm starting this, like I'm starting this account and, and kind of what you've seen throughout the time that you've started it until today, like what have you seen it? Yeah. So I had my second child in March, 2020, first week of lockdown. And obviously that was a really interesting time for all of us. And I was at home on lockdown with a new baby on my phone more. And I just know, and everyone was on their phone more. We're all running to these apps more to connect with people. But I noticed that the amount people were spending, it felt like I was seeing moms all day from the minute their child woke up and what they were wearing and what they were eating and the amount of information they were sharing and the amount of time they had their phone and their child's face. And it slowly just started to make me feel very uncomfortable. Like I had this aha moment that I'm a stranger watching children who don't know me. That's weird, right? Like I shouldn't know what that child had for breakfast. I shouldn't know what park they're going. I shouldn't see the walk that the mom takes every day. Like this is strange to me. And as it started to make me feel more uncomfortable, I started unfollowing a lot of people who I had followed for at this point, like 10 years almost, right? Like there are people I had seen get married and have kids. And I just slowly started to click unfollow because it just didn't feel right to me. And I was having these conversations with friends and my husband about like this sharing thing, this oversharing, like publicly using your kids as content. Like, what do you think? And everyone was like, yeah, like, I, I, I think it's weird. I think it makes me uncomfortable, but like, what are you going to do about it? And I didn't really know what I was going to do about it, but I knew just like festering on it myself wasn't doing anything or helping the situation or helping parents reflect on how they share their kids online. So I randomly just downloaded TikTok one day and I didn't necessarily go gung ho talking about this because I'd never had TikTok. So I was kind of learning about sounds and trends and, you know, what to do and being a mom, never sharing my kids, never offering any information like that. And then I noticed that whenever I talked about these topics, I got a lot of engagement and a lot of people were interested in it. And so I slowly just solely started talking about, you know, parental public oversharing, child exploitation and minor safety. And I said, if at the end of 2021, I had 10,000 people following me, then maybe I'm on to something. And I had 20,000 people following me. So I was like, okay, I'll keep talking. And I kept talking and I slowly started to grow. And the next thing I know, you know, news outlets are reaching out to me and asking for my thoughts on things and my opinion on stuff. And I felt like the message is spreading. And I got lots of messages from parents saying, wow, I never thought about it like that. Right. I never thought about what it's like for my kid. And this could be an invasion of their 
privacy and that that maybe they'll look back and think that they can't trust me because of the information I've shared about them. And I never looked at it like that person posting photos of their kids all day was exploitative. And I started having all the support and growing this community. And that's where I'm at now. I have a community of adults, mainly parents, who really believe that the child exploitation on these apps and the level in which we are using our kids as content is extremely worrisome. And we don't know what the outcome is. So we need to be very mindful of that. But what I do know is how important privacy is. What I do know is how important safety is. And what I do know is I wouldn't personally want to be used as content and to grow up with my childhood being commercialized and strangers feeling like they know me and having access and memories that maybe even I don't have, right? Yeah. So do you know Jessie Kirby? So she has, you know, she just has a, she has an account online. Although, although I haven't talked to her in a while, I'm pretty sure she had, was getting rid of it at the end of the year. So she was kind of on the same journey as me, but I, I do think she might be keeping her account and then having someone just post her content for her or something. I don't know. But anyways, she was telling a story once about her going to the park with her, her child. And I believe it was her. Oh gosh. Well, no, I'm pretty sure it was her bringing her kid to the park and somebody recognizing her and like calling it like, oh, hi. And then calling out her child's name. I was like, oh my God. Like, just like I would be so stopped in my tracks. Like I like to have a stranger like recognizing your child in public, like is just crazy to me. Well, I and mean, it happens all the time to a lot. <laughs> of these influencers. And I think for me, that must be a very bizarre experience for a child because like that is a stranger to the child. But let's not kid ourselves. That's also a stranger to the parent, right? Like just because somebody follows you doesn't mean you know them. Individuals, specifically parents, are allowing strangers to follow their children and they haven't vetted these individuals, right? Like oh, anyone can do. create an account and, and pretend they're someone else, you know? 100%, I mean <laughs> right? Like yeah. you don't you don't know who these people are. You don't know their backgrounds. You you don't know anything about them and you are allowing them to follow and be involved in the life of your most precious gift. You know, you're allowing them privy information that only close friends and family should know if that, right? The What I see parents sharing online sometimes is so unbelievable to me, Lindsay. I literally, I'm left speechless a lot of the time that parents would share such intimate details about their children and their lived experience. Well, I, you know, the safety concerns is, is what I, I personally don't understand because it's like, it's, let's be serious. It is not that difficult for people to find out where you live. First of all, that is public information. It can be found literally everywhere, no matter how much you try to erase it from the internet. It is not possible to erase it from the internet. So they know where you live, but then you're sharing when and where you are places right? I'm picking my kid up from school. I'm going, we're at a, a picnic down the street and and in real time sharing locations 
of where people can find you and or your kids. So, I mean, yeah, I, I just, that kind of thing is, is, is wild to me. And I know some people are like, no, I don't share until I get home. And, but I'm like, but you're giving the gist of like where you go and where you can be found. And I, I don't know, you know? Yep. So well, I've seen I've seen influencers do like their daily walk to school, like leaving their house with like, you know, you can see their house, you can see their neighborhood, you can see like the front of the school, you can see the kids uniform, right? Like, oh it's so easy to they're, they're just people are sharing too much. We're just yeah. sharing way too much. And then I guess, I guess the the question is, you know, why I asked myself that so many times, and I asked myself that so many times until I finally ended up on the path I was on, which was ended up deleting everything. And then, I mean, everything really. I mean, there were so many different factors, but just deleting social media in general because I was like, God, dang it, I can't get away from this. Like, I have to delete it all. And like, that's where I ended up. And that's not going to be everybody's journey. And I'm not suggesting it should be everybody's journey. But I think because I overshared, that's how I ended up where I am. To be yeah. honest, yeah, I well, like had to do the absolute people- pendulum swing. What is your why? If you get asked that question, if I ask you, what is your overall why to why you were sharing so much? Do you now have an answer or I is do, I do, I do. It was definitely connection. It was a feeling of being alone and parenting, even though I had, I did have friends that had kids the same ages. I just felt so validated on social media when somebody would say, oh my gosh, that's happening to me too. Oh my gosh, I didn't sleep last night either. And the more people that validated those feelings, the more I was like, oh my gosh, okay, I feel normal. This is normal. And you couldn't get there without oversharing, right? Like it was just much more effective, right? And looking back, that's that's definitely the main reason why I was doing it. So I guess, yeah. And I, and I think for people listening that might be people that even occasionally feature their kids or mainly or mainly feature their kids, I guess the question is, is why? Why are you doing that? And to really, really think about the why, because it's just never going to be worth it. And and I think understanding why you're doing it to begin with is so important to try to like figure out how you can stop doing it and and, and other ways to fulfill that why. And I completely agree. See, my issue is like, for me, I haven't, I don't connect with that side because I've never been a sharer personally or privately, right? Um, especially when it comes to my kids. I think I did, you know, the quintessential like birth announcement with like their little hands or feet at one point. And I remember with my first child, then I shared like maybe two or three pictures in his first, like, I don't know, like six months. And I didn't feel like I ever wanted to. I had this feeling of like, this is what you do, right? Like, this is the world we're in. So I'm going to do this and like share a photo because, you know, he's so cute and he's so special. And like, by the end of the first year, I was like, no, I just don't even want those online period. And I've always been a person who appreciates privacy. And I wasn't always this person. But when I started with my partner, now my husband, he's an exceptionally private 
person and he taught me the importance of privacy and that it does matter and that it gives you such power in the world, right? We are taking the privacy away from our children before they are able to understand the concept and how important it is. And for me, privacy is a fundamental right of the human experience. And I don't know what the end result is for children who feel like they're just public and that they've never been granted privacy and that their parents didn't think they were worthy of privacy. That's a big worry for me. Yeah. What would you say to someone who says, I've sat my child down and, you know, we talked about it and they still really love doing it and I taught them that they can't be doing X, Y, and Z. Like, what do you think about parents that are saying, oh, well, we've talked to our children about it and they still want to be online? Well, children can't give informed consent, exactly. right? Yeah. Children are mm-hmm. unable to understand <laughs> the digital world in any capacity, you know, that that, that mom and dad filming them then gets uploaded to a site that has a billion people that mom and dad aren't betting that anyone can see, have access to download, save images, have access to that information. Like these kids don't know what is happening to them, right? For people to say like, oh, well, my five-year-old said I could post that TikTok it's just bullshit. It's just laughable bullshit. And this is what a parent tells themselves to justify their poor parenting choice in exposing their children online. And like, I think a lot of parents maybe forget the internet age that we were raised in. Like we've just stopped thinking about, you know, like being kids in the, you know, AOL, ICQ days and don't talk to strangers and stuff like that. And now we are inviting strangers to have access to photos and information of our children. It's just very bizarre to me. So kids can't consent. No child can give informed consent. And one topic that gets talked a lot about parenting online is consent, right? And allowing kids to understand what consent means and bodily consent and how important that is in this day and age. Yet in this regard, in putting them online, somehow their consent doesn't matter in that element. So that is very interesting for me to watch online. And another another justification that I, I myself had told myself one or two times was, Oh, well, like if if I'm doing an ad with, oh gosh, I don't know, like a formula company or something, well, the money I make from that is just going to go right into their education fund. It is their money, you know? And so I've seen and heard and felt that myself before where it's like, yeah, yeah. It's the, well, you know, they know and it is their money because I'm putting it into said college fund or what have you. But if you look at celebrities as a whole or whatever, there's like all types of like legal protection for them. And there is literally nothing for children that are making money online. (laughs) These so these parents and I'm not saying that uh, I'm sure there are a lot of these parents who 
are saving money for their kids. I've also noticed that a lot of these influencers already live a pretty well-off and affluent lifestyle and don't necessarily need to be exploiting their children online in this capacity. But this is the world in which we now live, right? But you cannot assume that all of these people are saving the money for their kids. There are no rules and regulations that force them to do so. And they can tell us anything, just like social media tells us everything. Like not everyone's living in these pristine, white, you know, perfectly picket fences, houses and stuff like that. This is just what we are being fed. This is what they want us to see. So they can also tell us whatever they want to tell us, right? And I also think a lot of the time that this isn't going to last forever, right? So yeah, they might be putting money in a college fund right now, but when the child is five and no longer relevant online and mom and dad aren't making the money they used to, well, maybe they're just going to dip into that fund to pay the mortgage to help with the car payments and that kid ends up with nothing, you know? So they can tell us whatever we want to hear. That doesn't mean it's necessarily true. And even if it is true, I still don't think money's never going to buy back the kids' digital autonomy. It's never going to buy back their privacy. It's never going to buy back their safety if, you know, someone develops a parasocial stalker relationship with them, things like this, right? There's so much that money isn't going to buy right? Well, maybe by therapy down the line, but... (laughs) (laughs) It might buy therapy. It might buy therapy down the line. I mean, we laugh, but it's true. This episode is sponsored by Cozy Earth. I have always been an advocate in investing where you sleep. The average person will spend one third of their life sleeping and investing in your bed and bedding is important. My favorite pick from Cozy Earth are the bamboo sheets. They're temperature regulating, incredibly soft, and they were named one of Oprah's favorite things back in 2018. Cozy Earth also has luxurious pillows, blankets, duvet covers, loungewear, and more. If you are looking for a great Valentine's gift this year, look no further than Cozy Earth. Cozy Earth has developed and crafted high-quality goods with responsibly and sustainably sourced materials from the earth. All of their products can be returned, exchanged within 100 days, and includes additional 10-year warranty against defects. If you do decide to return, they will pay for the return shipping and issue a refund to the original payment method or give you store credit once received. Cozy Earth provided an exclusive offer for my listeners today. 35% off site-wide when you use the code Lindsay. That's L-Y-N-Z-Y. Go to CozyEarth.com and use the code Lindsay, L-Y-N-Z-Y, for 35% off. This podcast episode is sponsored by Thrive Market. Thrive Market is a great place to get some of our grocery and household essentials. The convenience of getting it all quickly shipped to our doorstep is a huge time saver for me, and I really enjoy some of the brands they carry, like Simple Mills, Siete, and their own Thrive Market brand. Have you ever tried the Thrive Market protein sugar cookie mix? Because it's pretty dang good. As a Thrive Market member, I can save money on every single order. On average, I save about 30% each time. I saved $20 on my last order, and it's well worth it over time. On top of the massive savings on each order, Thrive Market has a deals page that changes daily, 
gives me cash back on many brands, and they have a price match guarantee. Thrive Market also has over 70 filters on their website and app. You can filter between gluten-free snacks or non-toxic cleaning essentials with the click of a button. When you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join and they give. Join Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order, plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash Lindsay, L-Y-N-Z-Y, for 30% off your first order, plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash Lindsay. Yeah, I want to know like what you would personally consider exploitation of children on social media because so there's so many obviously different levels to sharing on social media. So there's the, you know, there's the person who has a private account who shares. I had so many people like this that would say, hey, but I I have a private account and I share tons of photos on there, but it's just for family that sees it. And then there's, you know, the mom that might have a public account and just shares, you know, like trips here and there, what have you. And then you have an influencer account who is, you know, occasionally again just showing their their family and maybe their kids here and there, but they're not like the main program of their brand necessarily, but they are part of it. And then there's the brand, of course, that heavily weighs on their children and often does scenes with them, often films them for entertainment purposes. So, oh, my kids did this and that today and and here's this and and sharing all of like the things that they do. And then of course you have like these child star accounts that have that are like quote unquote managed by the parents and have specific like oh I'm a comedian or she's a dancer or she and then they just share all of those things about that and, and the account is literally just the child. Yeah. So there's just so many different levels to this. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on like each one of those. Like yeah. like obviously the most exploitative is going to be, you know, this you account know, that's based off the child. Or- Things like that. Yeah. Like the most exploitative is always if the account would not be successful without regularly featuring the child and the child is, you know, like 90% of the photos and the videos and things like that's exploitative, especially like and when there's money involved, right? That's exploitative. If you are exposing your child on a daily basis, basis and the entire account is the child and the child is making money and there's no rules and regulations for their labor and for their money they are making, it's it's exploitative, right? But again, like I have always said that like I don't look at this as black and white. There's a lot of gray and there's a spectrum to this. And I don't feel that if you show an image of your child online, it's automatically exploitative. It's not, right? There's influencers that I follow that occasionally share a photo or a video of their kids, but it's a rarity, right? And it's not the basis of their account. So I think it's exploitative when the child is at the forefront of the account and or the only person in the account and money is involved. Yes. What's your personal take on accounts that are like their kids are part of their brand, but not the main part of the brand? Like what are your, like just your personal thoughts on that? 
I just don't like, you know, kids and content really. Yeah. Right. Like, like what's the point? you know, I just don't feel that they need to be there. Like I've just, I have, I've seen and heard too many stories online to think that it's the right thing for them. You know, the, I'm talking like, I think if parents share like a handful, you know, like, like a photo or a video a month, right? Like that is something that I could be like, right? But it's, it's just not for me. Kids' content is just not for me. Again, now that I'm talking about it, I do think there are parents who utilize their kids in their content, but do so well maintaining their privacy. And that's a different thing. Like I have seen some moms who will do like a vlog, but, you know, show their kids little hands doing a drawing or, you know, running away from behind. So there's like an element of privacy being maintained and doesn't feel exploitative because their account is not based around their children. Their child is just sometimes featured while privacy is maintained. Like this is what I'm talking about. It's such a gray area, but some are just basically exploitative family vloggers, for instance. Boom. If you are filming your child all day, every day, that's exploitative. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was reading a little bit about this the other day. So fracturing of identity and just how much, I mean, adults struggle with this, never mind kids, kids learning how to even be themselves and learning what, what they are in the world. And, and I mean, being a preteen, preteen and a teen is hard enough. And then you have to add in all these like societal pressures and now social media and phones and, and you add in, this element of filming a child, right, that may or may not have grown up, right, having the phone in front of their face and learning that they need to act and be a certain way in front of a camera and then different off camera. Well, who the hell am I? Am I the person who's on the phone? Am I the person who's off the phone? Like how hard it must be to try to understand in my own head who the hell I am, right? Yeah. Like, well, these children, their their home is now their stage, right? right. Their home is now their stage, their and they're never off stage. They're never off. They're in performance mode. The parents are narrating a story to the public in who this child is, and it's from the parental perspective, right? So, you know, when this child gets to be, you know, a tween, a teen, their whole life and who they are has been dictated to the public by their parents. And that might not be who authentically that child is. That might not be the public persona they want out there in the world. And now they can't escape it because their parents have created this identity for them to which they might not have had a say. Yeah. That's really yeah. sad. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I mean, this happens with adults that are on their phone 24-7, well, people that are capturing content anyways, where it's like, you think you're having a bad day, but you need to get on there to film something. You're not going to be the person who was frustrated and sad or whatever it was five, 10 minutes ago. You have to change your face. You need to figure it out and you need to go on stage, right? It's not... 
very often that you find influencers that are so transparent that you see all of those things. It's typically the I'm on stage face and it's not the, well, this is me every day and I have bad days and good days. And that's not the, that's not the content that sells. <laughs> yeah. You know? I, will, I will say you do see more of that content on TikTok. There is a, because I'm not, after I started on TikTok, I kind of very rarely went to IG. And to me, Instagram is what you are saying, right? There's this like prepackaged performative thing where it's all, you know, pretty and put on and it in an attempt to feel authentic, it doesn't feel authentic on Instagram anymore. It feels so filtered. There is a level of, I feel like there are people who are a lot more vulnerable on TikTok, who are showing up in some pretty vulnerable states. But in general, TikTok is a dumpster fire. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, they're like trying to like move to like, I mean, maybe possibly even just banning it completely. <laughs> it's honestly like it's it's really bad. Like the things yeah. I see, the things I get tagged in. I cannot. I I so I was never um, I never did TikTok. I just don't I yeah, never yeah. rode that boat and I don't even know how to I don't even I wouldn't even know how to use it. <laughs> you know what? Keep riding, keep riding that keep boat. Riding I that TikTok because it was just a platform where I could just show up and nobody knew me, right? I talked on there for months before any of my friends and family knew I was mom uncharted. It wasn't until like I had an article with CNN that I was like, hey, mom and dad, you might see me on the website today, right? I kept it pretty low key for a long time yeah. that I was talking about these subjects. And I always talk pretty badly about social media, but I really, I love when people use it in the way that you're using it, which is like, hey, I have something to say and this needs to be talked about and let's let's talk about it and do something about it. Because how else, like where else do you start? And we live in a you know day and age where like we're able to make much more progress in the world through you know, the internet and through social media, we're able to what people had to do with like picketing and like going outside to cities to try to like raise awareness to things. It's something that we can easily do from our home online. So that's really cool. There are definitely really cool things that you can do with these platforms and with the internet in general. It's just that the majority of the time it's used in the worst possible way and everyone's addicted to it. So it's just hard. Yeah. And I think that's another thing that, you know, I talk about like parental public oversharing and mainly, but it's also about us being mindful of how we are using our phones and how that is directly and indirectly affecting our kids and, you know, having them be filmed and videoed. And don't get me wrong. Do I take pictures of my kids? Yeah, fuck all the time. But they're not living with a phone in their face. I take minimum one full day off social media a week where I don't pick up my phone. I don't look at anything. I only film when my children are at school and daycare, like they've never seen me sitting and talking to a phone before. Like these are rules that I have for myself because I just don't think that is normal for them. Like I think that I, that's not something I want them to see. I don't want them seeing me filming, thinking that this is what they have to 
do, that this is how they seek, you know, validation. And that's another thing, Lindsay. I worry about that. I worry about the parents who are on their phones all day and things like that. And what message is that sending to their children? Right. And when the parents get excited about something going viral and having a million views or like, look, this person says you're so cute. And like, what messages are we sending their little brains at this age that that matters, that like validation and admiration from strangers matter, that the amount of views matters, that this is a goal they should be striving for. I just don't think that's where we want to go with this generation of children, especially if you look at where teens are right now. Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, I this was one of the big driving factors in which I knew that m- my personality was such that I could not have social media on my phone and also be able to regulate my own time. And I didn't want my kids to constantly see my phone. So off it went. That's what the decision I made for myself. And I would do it a thousand times over again because like literally there's nothing more important than like, first of all, just feeling mentally happy. And then raising your children and like all of that, like that is so important. And all of that other stuff just gets in the way. It's literally nonsense. There is nothing on there that is life-changing ever. Like there's nothing on there. Like it's all stuff that you don't even need to know about. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> you know well, what I mean? Like it just is. From your reality. It's a distraction from being present as a parent, right? It's a distraction from being truly present in your life and with your family and especially over on TikTok. Like they make these social media apps so you become addicted, right? And they want you there all the time. And now people are there all the time and the kids are there all the time. And we need to we need to make a change now to protect the future generations, right? One thing I do talk about also is minor safety. And we talk about that as it relates to, you know, people getting a hold of images and information of your kids and stuff like that. But it also has to do with kids are being given social media and smartphones too young. And us with the little kids, right? We need to all jump on board with not doing that anymore. We all need to rally together and say, hey, listen, we're not going to give a kid a smartphone until they're like 13. And at that point, we're not going to give them access to social media. They can have that when they're 16, right? Like we need to create a new normal where we're pushing all of this back because all of the research tells us this is not good for our kids. And that's another reason why I don't think parents should be exposing their kids and sharing so much because the research says none of this is good (laughs) for our kids. Yeah. Right. There's a, I'm sure you've heard of it, the wait until eighth, like the pledge that you can take online. Yep. Yeah. So like if you go online, you go to waituntilaith.org and you can take the pledge where you say, I won't give my children a phone until they're in eighth grade. And you can find other kids within your area, I believe, that are also taking the same pledge, which is cool because I think part of the issue, obviously, is that your child comes home and they're like, well, every single one of my friends has a phone. And it's like, well, no, Susie doesn't and and Charlotte doesn't and Rachel doesn't. And so it's nice to be able to say, no, hey, well, these kids also don't. You guys are in the same bus. And this is like one of those things where you just have to trust us because this is the best thing for you. And it's nice to be able to like 
connect with them and connect with other families that are like-minded because that can be the hardest part of it all is like they feel like they're alone. And of course, as a kid, there's nothing worse than feeling alone. Oh, Um, 100%. I did a video the other day on Snapchat and I basically said, I think it's an exceptionally dangerous app for a variety of reasons. And I don't think a kid should have access until they're 18. And let me tell you, the teens came for me. <laughs> oh, it, shit. It was like, I, I, <clears throat> life or death to not have access to this app, right? You know, comments like, well, you're going to be put in a nursing home and like, oh, well, your kids are going to hate you and stuff. And I, I think it just speaks to the mentality of the teens right now that this is how prevalent it is for the them that they think that not having access to this is literally life or death. And we, and we need to change that. And don't get me wrong. If I was 16, I'd probably be saying the same thing, right? But like now I am an adult and I recognize that parents need to have rules to protect children, right? Whether they like it or not, whether they understand if it's in their best interest or not. Like parents need to do things to protect their children, especially their mental health in this day and age. Yeah. And I I did, we had talked about this briefly before we started recording and I do want to mention it briefly here because this is just another one of those topics where you talk about it and people immediately are like, they have this like significant deep-seated denial of like, well, that's not me. I don't need to, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not meaning to do that. No one is meeting. No one wakes up and they're like, let me like exploit my kids today. Like no one is saying that. No one is is doing that. It's It's very much something that until someone calls it out, you don't realize it sometimes, right? So like, I'm I'm speaking for myself, but I'm sure you too, Sarah, like we're not here saying like, hey, you know, this is bad. Like this is so dangerous for your kids. Like all these things. No, like you don't realize it. it. Yes. You never have heard two people having a conversation like this. This might be the first time you see it from the perspective of somebody who was once in it and is now out of it, right? Like I really try hard on my platform, Lindsay, to have it be about the conversations and the discussions. I really try hard to not be labeled, you know, a mom shamer and call out specific accounts and things like that, because that 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 gets away from the point, right? Exactly. Right. I'm not here to battle with stands against their favorite influencers and things like that. I'm here to say, hey, look at this video. Have you thought about it like this? Have you thought about it from the perspective of a child finding this or the child's peers finding this? You know, have you looked at the people who are following you? Do you really know them? It's just things that oversharing has become so normal and the digital world, social media has accelerated at such a rapid pace that most parents are just doing what they see and haven't thought to sat back to critically think about these things. And that's what I'm trying to do and you're trying to do and why we have these conversations and they're important is because we recognize that listener, you might not have ever seen it like this and that's okay. We're not, that's okay. We completely get it because that's not what we're being taught. We're being taught the opposite. Oversharing is normal. Kids' content is cool. This is, this is, this is okay. And we're trying to flip the switch and create a new normal where 
a child's privacy, right to inform consent, and digital safety is prioritized over a parent's online popularity and need for connection through utilizing their children. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's um, my rant. <laughs> <laughs> you had one, I had to get one in. I Listen, I mean, really, I think too, it's like, I just, I like to talk through this because I, I, as a, as someone who's listening, I can see all the kind of steps. Like if I'm somebody who is sharing my kids online, it's the like, oh my gosh, no, like I would never do that. Why would I do that? And then it's, it's kind of like this denial phase. And I saw this kind of full circle for a lot of my community who in the beginning of 20, oh gosh, 2021, when I mentioned I'm deleting my social media accounts at the end of the year and I talked that whole year about my journey, books I was reading, resources that I was using. I was taking a month off and then sharing how that was and just just sharing all the things to kind of like just share about my journey, but also to maybe spark something within someone else. And I had people come at me as if like I had just lit their house on fire. I mean, like how like you are such a hypocrite. You made money on this platform and now you're just over here saying get off social media as if you can just do that. And I'm like, like, it's so wild to me what people will say when they're feeling offended, but they're in denial because I'm like, why am I not allowed to change my mind? I'm not like, we're not allowed to change our mind about things. Like that would be a crazy world. Like I've so many parents change their mind recently. Like I have had creators who have been blogging and vlogging, sharing their children's, you know, medical diagnosis and literally everything say no more. Like following you and listening to a different perspective has really changed my mind about things. I've had these conversations. I recently had an influencer share that she took her child off because she was essentially being stalked by like a woman who was like calling CPS on her because she didn't like her parenting. This is happening. So like people are developing like parasocial relationships in like hate and calling like CPS on some of these influencer mothers and things like that. The stories are wild, but this influencer was basically saying that when you came online, me, Mom Uncharted, she was very in her thought process. Like it's not worrisome. It's not exploitative. Like, you know, she's a little yoo-hoo, I guess. And she didn't really like my content. And then, you know, a year later, she's had this terrible situation happen to her. And she's like, wow, you, I get it now. I get it now. I've changed my way. I had this situation happen. I wish it didn't. I wish I listened to you earlier, but so many different things are happening online now. And that was one that I hadn't heard of before, frankly. And then she speaks of how when she shared her story, more mummy vloggers came out, more influencers came to her and said, I had the same situation. This person became obsessed and started like, you know, stalking and calling CPS on me and things. And I was like, that oh is, my gosh. That is freaking crazy. Isn't it crazy? It's Can you, it's, can you imagine it's some wild. fucking stranger? Yeah. Calling. And like, don't get me wrong. I have seen some on TikTok, especially, I have seen some videos where people should be calling CPS, like full, like full fledged abuse. Someone should be called. That is crazy. But 
these are just like influencer moms who don't like other people aren't agreeing with, I don't know, the, you know, their formula journey or whatever it may be. Right. Oh my gosh. And they're being like targeted by people who, you know, are probably struggling with some mental health issues. Right. I can, wow. I, I only say that because I can't think of any other reason why a stranger would be that invested in another human's life. Oh yeah. That's like a mental, that's, that's yeah. yeah, absolutely. Right? I mean, like, that's that has crazy. to be something not, not yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we could go on and on. I feel like we could probably talk for hours. Let's do this. Let's talk about, let's talk about actionable steps for, for two people. So the person who is currently kind of like you, who was following accounts that were exploitative and then also actionable steps for someone who shares their kids online. Okay, so if you are following individuals who have turned their kids into content and are sharing them and violating their right to privacy, informed consent, and compromising their digital safety, my suggestion would be just hit unfollow. You don't have to be mean about it. You don't have to, you know, blow up their comments about them exploiting their children and stuff. Just quietly unfollow and then talk to your peers about why you unfollowed. And because I think the conversation, once it gains traction, that's when people start to realize that this is weird and not okay. Right. Like, Hey, I, Hey, Amy, you know, at, you know, mom group, I stopped unfollowing that person because this is, you know, what I think about things now I've listened and I hear, and, you know, maybe you should too. You know what? Never thought about that. You're right. I'm going to unfollow too. Right. Like create kind of an unfollow train in regard to these individuals. And if you are a person who has turned their kids into content, I would suggest stopping (laughs) and make it about you. Like, I just want to remind parents, you know, moms and dads that you as an individual and your journey through parenthood is enough to connect with people. You know, like we don't need to see images and videos of your kids, especially all day, every day, because it it sucks to say, but there's reasons why photos of children track. They track and they're popular because they are being sent to two segments of the population. One who likes kids for authentic reasons because they are parents and they are good people and they want to learn and they want to feel connected and community. And then there's another section. And that section is people who like children and their images for nefarious reasons. And that's important for parents to remember. There's a reason why photos and images of kids do so well on these platforms. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've had conversations with a few of my friends who, you know, are still online and, and, and navigating this and finding their way through. And I, I understand so much that it's hard to have built a brand where you included your, your kids and your family. Like that is your life. I understand so much why that happens and why it is. And I know that it's hard to think that your brand can be without them, but it can. And this is just another really important lesson in that you like are your own person and you matter and the things you like matter and the things that you were before a mom matter. All of those things matter. 
And I know that once you become a mom, you kind of feel like they don't because that's all you do all day long. So make it about you, right? Like, like find all those things that you loved prior to having your kids. Make it about that. Like, oh, geez, I loved reading. I loved reading before kids. Okay, so talk about books more. I loved working out. Talk about working out more. I loved cooking. Talk about that more. Make it so that this can be an outlet for you as a mom to really rediscover things that you used to love before you had kids. Make it about that. I don't know. You know, I know it's hard to navigate, but I have heard from so many that they're like, I just don't know. Like, how do I make my brand about myself? And I get that because moms feel lost. I get it. I get it. You know? Well, I have had lots of influencers reach out to me and say, hey, you know, I moved away from sharing my kids and I was reached out to by a brand. I've really wanted to work with them. And they reached out and wanted me to do ad with my kid. And I said, hey, I don't share my kid online. And they said, hey, that's great. No problem. We still want to work with you. I don't think that some of these people realize that if you create healthy boundaries in regard to your children and their privacy online, a lot of these brands still want to work with you because of you, right? And I wish, I hope, my hope is that more influencers make the move to taking their kids offline, stop using them in paid ads, and realize that, you know, they are enough. They are enough. And I've seen so many people take their kids offline over the past year. And not and most people stay with them, right? And yeah, they have to navigate how to build their platform and grow it and what's next. But the majority of people seem very supportive in doing this. So let's continue these conversations and create a new normal around not sharing our kids online and make it a world for adults because that that's what social media should be at this point do in basically to what we're seeing online, inappropriate content, and also what it's doing for teens and tweens and their mental health. It, it's it's an adult thing. It's like, you know, driving a car. Don't do it till 16. You know, you can't drink until whatever, 21 down there. That's pretty late, but like 18, 19 here in Canada, right? Like, it's okay to recognize that we need to create new rules around things because we know more about exactly. how it's going Exactly. Create a new norm. Yep. And as you said, I mean, if a brand, and I'm speaking to this personally, if a brand doesn't want to work with you because you won't exploit your kids, F them. Seriously, who gives a shit? Like, like, it's so insane to me, like, that you put up a boundary and then the brand doesn't want to acknowledge or continue with, like, that's, you don't want to work with that brand. Okay. Like, that, that's, that's squashed. Like, you don't want to be a, Working with them, that just period. When I deleted Instagram, I was like, well, there goes that. Nope. Surprisingly enough, I still have brands that want to work with me. And do you know how incredibly rare it is that a brand that you tell them you have no social media channels and they are like, okay, what else can we do? Like, unheard of. But guess what? It happens, right? So simply saying and setting a boundary is going to only lead you to the brands that really give a shit about you as a brand and as a person. And you only want to work with those people anyway. Like 100%. So, yeah. And yeah. you see in and when you see brands who are working with individuals who are exploiting their kids, 
I often just send a DM to that brand in Instagram or send a quick email and say, hey, I'm just wondering in regard to, you know, your brand and your philosophy and what you're about, why you choose to work with, you know, individual X, because I feel this, right? And ask them a question. I've asked a lot of brands the question. And a lot of the time the response has been like, oh, well, we're not working with them moving forward. Or like, oh, we didn't know they shared that type of content. Because a lot of these brands sadly aren't doing their research either. Right. Well, it's all about money at the end of the day, right? Money and fame, money and fame, money and fame, power and money and fame. (laughs) We're here to protect the kids and create a new normal And just encourage parents to, you know, do things differently, you know, start a new trend. Yes, absolutely. Okay, let's end with two questions I ask everybody I have on the show. First question is if you could give one piece of advice for moms, what would it be? And it doesn't need to be about the topic today. Oh, my gosh. I know. Sorry. (laughs) It's a doozy. Yeah. No problem. No pressure. I I think one advice for moms is your children are your most precious gift and you need to protect them at all costs. And in regard to myself and what I talk about, that just means don't post them publicly online. Don't post them publicly where, you know, billions of people have access to their image and their information. You protect those children in real life. We need to start doing the same online. Yes. Second is if you can make one meal for your family that everyone would eat, that's relatively quick and easy. What would it be? You know what I did yesterday? Actually, I made for the first time an instant pot risotto and it ended up being great. And I did a Parmesan for the kids and I sauteed some mushrooms for my husband and I, and I have some leftovers and it took seven minutes in the instant pot and it was great. And you can do so many varieties and they all loved it. It was great. So I've had some people trying to sell me with the Instant Pot on here many times before, and I still have yet to bring mine. I swear to God, I I bought it like years ago, and the damn thing is still in a box. I'm scared of it. That's fair. It is a little intimidating. And I just, my, I first, I hate cooking. I hate cooking. I don't enjoy it. I don't like it. I don't want to do it, but I apparently have to feed these children that I created. So I do my best. But New Year, I'm trying to cook three meals, like cookbook, three meals a week. I saw this. I was like, that looks easy. My kids like rice. They'll think it's kind of pasta. And I have like a really good like chicken chili that I do in there. You can do like caramelized onions and keep them for recipes throughout the week. Like it's a little intimidating, but it is quick and it is easy and cleanup is nothing. You're going to have to send me a few of your favorite recipes using it, and I'm going to have to try it. It's going to be – you know what? It's on my list of things to do in the new year. I have to use it. I'll send you my most popular one that the kids love, uh, the chicken and rice one. Yeah, send it to me. Yeah. Rice, super easy, and they love it. All right. I'll put it in the show notes too for those of you that are feeling like you want to branch out and try the Instant Pot. (laughs) Bust it out of the box. All right. Well, anyways, this was this was awesome as I suspected it would be. I love talking about things like this and things that oh, make people too. think and things that people might be initially upset about. But how do you make change without talking about things that are controversial? 
And I hope that, you know, again, it's not about attacking anyone. It's not about shaming anyone. It's about having conversations that haven't been represented in the mainstream for a long time. And parents need to be talking about for the amount of time we spend on social media. This should be talking about social media should be as big as talking about, you know, sleep training and breastfeeding Mm. and all of it, right? Like it should be bigger than it is. So let's keep chatting, Lindsay. And I really appreciate this opportunity. Absolutely. And adore you and what you have done for your family and prioritizing your children and their privacy. And people can learn a lot from you. Well, and I thank you for having the balls to create an account to create controversy because I know (laughs) that that is really freaking hard. So kudos to you. And thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. All resources mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes on lindsayandco.com. To continue these important conversations, head over to Motherhood Meets Medicine on Instagram. Let me know what you learned from this episode and who you would love to hear from next. I always love getting feedback from you. If you're finding value in this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. This will help us to reach even more women from around the world. I'll catch you next week. Until then, don't forget to find some time to unplug unwind, and have a little fun. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.